0: Good morning. Well, I'm Joshua Olson. I'm the director of congregational care here at Ironworks Church. And uh, I just want to say, if, if you have anything that is weighing you down or, or things that you would like to celebrate, I would love to meet up with you and pray. Um, as, as the doc, um, I would really like to embody the exhortation to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. Um, Also, if you are new here to Ironworks Church, I would love to get to know you um, and uh, help you get further connected to the life of the church if you are interested in doing that. Um, My contact information is on the back of the worship guide, so you can get a hold of me uh, through that. Uh, Well, today we're going to be talking about economics. I know that's why you guys came here. Um, was to talk about economics, the economics of faith, or the divine economy. Um, And to help us out, uh, Jen Crompton from The Montley Fool um, is going to share how she started her business. She says this, Very early in my career, I emailed an expert networker asking for some tips. Even though I was young and she was a friend, I knew that asking someone to provide their core services for free was not a great approach and is offensive. So out of respect and for fear of ruining our relationship, I veered away from asking, Hey, can I pick your brain? And instead, I asked if I could hire her and pay for her services. I was clear about my limited budget and narrow uh, scope, hoping that she would align her pricing structure with my ask. After all, I was new to the startup game and trying to leverage my skills. Her response was friendly and business-focused. She offered me a 60-minute consultation with a follow-up, but to my surprise, her offer also included a dollar sign followed by four figures. And I remember asking a colleague, who charges that much for this type of service? but his response was simple and concise. Someone with clients willing to pay that much for their services. That was the day I learned a valuable lesson and one of the most important business tips. When pricing your services, charge what you're worth. So how do we determine what something is worth? Well, if we take her friend's advice, it's by The price someone is willing to pay for that good or service. How do we determine what something is worth? By by the price someone is willing to pay for that good or service. We see economics also in the justice system. The judge or jury determines the cost of an offense against the public or against an individual by rendering a verdict. Rachel Denhollander stood before the judge, just before the judge was going to sentence Larry Nasser, the U.S. gymnastics coach and, unfortunately, horrific sexual predator, and she said these words. There are two major purposes in our criminal justice system, Your Honor, the pursuit of justice and the protection of the innocent. Neither of these purposes can be met if anything less than the maximum available sentence under the plea agreement is imposed upon Larry for his crimes. Not because the federal sentence he will already serve as lacking, but because the sentence rendered today will send a message across this country, a message to every victim and a message to every perpetrator. And I realize that you have many factors to consider when you fashion your sentence, but I submit to you that the preeminent question in this case, as you reach your decision about how best to satisfy these dual aims of the court, is this. How much is a little girl worth? How much is a young woman worth? Today, As we peer into the throne room, the courtroom of heaven, God wants us to consider the economics of faith, the economy of God. As we do, there are three important questions that he wants us to consider. Number one, who is worthy? Number two, how much are you worth? And number three, how much... Is every tribe, every ethnicity, every person, and every nation worth? Would you please stand with me as you're able, as we listen from the book that we love? It's for you. Oh, I thought it was.
1: There it goes. This is the book that we love. (laughs) Revelations 5 from the NIV translation. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders, The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. and the elders fell down and worshiped this is the word of the lord you may be
0: seated i don't know about you but i got goosebumps just listening to that um, it's missions month here at ironworks and so we have been focusing our attention on this theme in our liturgy and our preaching and our music And this morning, we are going to continue this theme as we consider um, these questions that I raised for you. Who is worthy? What uh, is your value or worth? And what is the value or worth of every tribe, every tongue, every people, and every nation to God? And as we consider this, I wonder if, if any of you have ever kind of mumbled to yourself oh, I'm just so worthless, or I just mess everything up and there's no point to even try. We likely have all had moments where we thought ourselves as worthless. Perhaps it's when we forgot a friend's birthday and we were embarrassed, or we accidentally divulged someone's secret and we felt ashamed, or made a big big mistake with, uh, with some sort of work uh, project or competition. For most of us, these thoughts of worthlessness and feelings that accompany that pass relatively quickly. But for others, they become permanent residents in our brains. So if you have ever said in a moment of despair or frustration, I am just so worthless, or what good am I to anyone Anyway, whether these thoughts are fleeting or more enduring, God has an answer for you. He wants you to know just how much you are worth to him. In fact, God wants to show us just how much every person from every tribe, every ethnicity and nation and people group are to him. So let's dive into these divine economics And the first question for us to consider in this divine economy is this. Who is worthy? Who is worthy? This is the question that reverberates throughout the throne room in the heavenly court. Who is worthy? Who is able or has the authority to step forward and take the scroll, break its seals, and open it? But... Before we get to the question of who, let's try to answer the question, why? Why is there a scroll? Why are there seals on it? Well, in John's time, a seal was a piece of wax or damp clay that was placed along the edge of the scroll. And then the person who wrote it would take their ring and they would imprint the ring on that clay so that that seal would ensure that the scroll truly states what the author's will is and that no one has been able to alter the text in that scroll. The seven seals on this scroll, just like a seal that would be placed on a royal decree or an official will or other official documents, implied that the contents were true and um, unhindered. Breaking the seals and opening the scroll was only allowed by a person who had been properly authorized. So if, if the document was a will, only the person to whom that will was written could open the scroll and break the seal. If it was a royal decree, only someone in the court would be able to break the seal and open the scroll. Similarly, only someone who is properly authorized is able to take this scroll with its seven seals and open it but that begs the question what's so important about this scroll that nobody can open it what's in the scroll um for this you have to kind of look back at previous apocalyptic literature apocalyptic literature just means literature that reveals things and Quite honestly, usually it's crazy stuff. You get a lot of weird, crazy visions going on, um, and um, you get a lot of interesting imagery. And you see echoes of the imagery used here in our passage um, in some of these Old Testament apocalyptic books. So in Ezekiel chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, and then also in Daniel 12, you, you see these scrolls and they're sealed, and they have writing on the front and on the back, just like this scroll that we see. Both these scrolls in Ezekiel and Daniel represented covenants of justice and redemption, where God would, would open the seal, and then he would mete out justice, and he would bring redemption to his people. In fact, I'm fairly convinced, and a lot of commentators are convinced of this as well, that the scroll that you see in Daniel chapter 12 is the same exact scroll that you see here in Revelation chapter 5. Um, the scroll that Daniel saw in his vision, um, it's, it's sealed. It says that, that Daniel can't even look at it. Because the scroll must be sealed until the end. Daniel, you can't look at the scroll. It's got to remain sealed until the end. That is, until now. It must remain sealed until now. So, simply put, this scroll that we see in Revelation contains the covenant of God with his people to bring them final redemption and to bring out final justice to their enemies. The names of the righteous and unrighteous are written in this book. Their deeds are written and will be judged. So the question that is being asked by this very strong angel who proclaims, who is worthy, is this. Who is worthy to execute the covenant? Who is worthy to execute judgment, and justice. And John weeps because no one in heaven and no one on earth and no one under the earth is found worthy to execute this covenant of redemption. Thankfully, one of the elders, and I just want to stop and say, thank you, elders. You guys are great. I love you. Appreciate you. Uh, One of the elders stops John and says, hey, don't weep look there's the lion from the tribe of judah there's the root of david and he has triumphed he has conquered and he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals what this elder is saying jesus is worthy jesus is worthy um, and what the elder says is echoed throughout the new testament for instance in matthew 28:18 this is right after jesus has been raised from the dead and is about to ascend into heaven and he says this to his disciples all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth so what is it saying who is worthy jesus the one who conquered the grave In John chapter 5, verses 21 through 23, Jesus is talking and he says, For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to whom he wishes. For not even the Father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment to the Son. So all will honor the Son even as they honor the Father. And he who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. What is Jesus saying here to his disciples? Who is worthy to execute judgment? Jesus, because all judgment has been handed over to him by the Father. And then in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 and following, it says this. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also Yours in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in an appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And listen, because this is going to sound familiar, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of Father. What is Paul trying to say to the church in Philippi? Who is worthy? It's Jesus, the one who became incarnate, humble, lowly, and slain on a cross, now exalted on high above all things. Who is worthy? Jesus Christ is worthy to execute the covenant and execute justice. So John says um, in Revelation, in our passage, Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Who is worthy? Jesus, the lamb. The one who's full of God's spirit. The one who is full of power. The omniscient and omnipotent one. Jesus is worthy. Amen? Amen. So Jesus takes the scroll, and the elders bow down before him, and it says they sing a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth in this portion of our text God answers our second question so we asked who is worthy now we're asking how much are you worth how much is ironworks church worth to God how much are each individual members of ironworks church worth to God So we have to remember how do we determine what something is worth? By the price someone is willing to pay for that good or service. So how much ironworks are you worth? And before we I just let's pause and I want you to I want you to listen. If you've ever felt worthless if you've ever felt that you're no good or you're worth nothing. I want you to listen and listen carefully as God makes a declaration to you how much you are worth to him. Jesus, the only one who is worthy to open the scroll, the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the one who conquered the grave, Jesus, the one who is the pearl of great prize in that parable, Jesus, the greatest treasure that exists in all of heaven and earth, put himself forward as the purchasing price for you. How much is Jesus willing to pay to secure you to be a part of his family? Everything. Everything. He gives the greatest price that he as God possibly could in order to secure you as a royal priest and a royal son or daughter. So Jesus says to you, Ironworks Church, he says this to you, I am willing to pay the price of sacrificing my own self for you. And I would rather empty myself take on flesh suffer face death and the grave than to lose you and he says this you are totally worth it you are worth it that's how much you are worth to jesus And Jesus answers the the very relevant question for us this month as we consider and celebrate global uh, missions and the global church. How much does Jesus value the nations? Does he, in fact, value missions? How much does he value missions? This much. He purchased men, women, and children from every tribe, every language, every people group in order to make them a kingdom of priests who will reign on the earth with the Son of God. Friends, this reality is more real than the hands in front of your face when you lift them up like this. Jesus, with his blood, has ransomed, has purchased a people to be his own. How much does Jesus value missions? Well, he paid the greatest price that he could in order to secure the success of missions around the world. This is why we see lives being changed in India through GTI Hope as men and women are freed from shame and guilt and sin And why they are even willing to risk their very lives to tell others about Jesus. This is why we see Jesus moving in Tanzania, giving hope to orphaned children. Literally bringing peace to warring tribes. Setting people who are captives free. And changing the trajectory of their lives for generations. All because Jesus... Paid the purchasing price to set those men and women free. Jesus said, These orphaned girls and boys are worth everything to me. They are so incredibly valuable. And so he did. He gave these orphaned kids at Hopeco everything, he left it in his will. All, all that's mine is yours. All that's mine is yours. That's how much he loves these orphaned children in Tanzania. That's how much he loves these um, various tribes that GTI Hope is reaching out to. He's worth everything, everything. And so I would say if you want to be a part of something that is destined to succeed, in spite of difficult circumstances, attacks from the enemy, or even death itself, if you want to be a part of something that is destined to succeed, then give yourself to the work of missions. It will succeed. You know why? Because Jesus has paid for its success with his very own life. The one who has conquered and triumphed, has secured its success before the first missionary even stepped foot outside of Jerusalem. Jesus secured its success. So, I would encourage you, be a part of something that's destined to succeed. So, what is our response? What's our response to all of this that God has declared to us this morning. What should we do? What do we do in response to this news? In order to to understand this, I think we need to look back at the scene in the heavenly throne room and see how the heavenly court responds to this news. Verse 11 and following. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels Numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. And they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. What is the appropriate response to a God who would give up everything for us? I'm reminded of this of this song that we sing during Christmas called Glory in the Heights and and one of the refrains asks what will be your offering what will be your offering and the response is give him everything everything what is our response? I I don't have words, so I have to borrow them from poets and songwriters. (laughs) He's worthy of every song that we could ever sing. He's worthy of every breath that we could ever breathe. From, From the song to Christ the Lord, where it says, since his Since from his bounty I receive such proofs of love divine, had I a thousand hearts to give, Lord, they would all be thine. A thousand men could not compose a worthy song to bring, and yet your love is a melody our hearts can't help but sing. What is the appropriate response to a God who would give up everything to show how much you are worth to him? It is to give him everything because Jesus is worthy. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are worthy and we bow before you. We join in with the heavenly court. We join in with the four living creatures and the elders and every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them to join with them in singing how much you are worth to us. You are worth everything, everything. We would lay down our lives for you. We would give you everything that we own because it would be nothing compared to what you have given to us. We love you and we worship you and we thank you that you are working not just here in Ironworks, but you are rescuing, setting captives free in Tanzania, in India, in China, in Turkey, in all sorts of places all over this globe. You are making for yourself a people to worship you. So we join with them and we worship you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.